Well, praise be to the great Yav Shamayim. Hallelujah. Good morning, good morning, good morning. This is Rev Rock, and I'm a Yajay for Yahweh here on Love Live, Rock Remnant Reality Radio. And we are bringing it to you because he brings it to us. He brings down the Esh from Shamayim. We have the Esh if we want it. It's all available. The banquet table is overloaded. It has so much on it. And he says, come, eat, feast with me in the overflow of all that I have. Bread of Life Factory. This is the Bread of Life Factory here. We have so much Bread of Life for you to eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat eat until you are stuffing yourself full of the knowledge, the understanding, and the shachma, those things are crucial for you to be able to go from one level to the next. You have to start with the knowledge. You have to study, 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 study to show yourself approved, a workman unto Yah. And you do that by being here. This is one way uh, to study. We study together here on love for truth. We have a truth that we love and that is Yeshua. Yeshua is the way, the truth, and the life. We love him, and we love the fact that he is this word, this bread. He said, I am the bread of life. We are to eat this bread. We are to totally, totally take it all in. Bring him in, bring him in, bring him in. Eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it. Stuff yourself. So we say, come to the table today and eat. Come to the table today and enjoy all that he has for you because there is a overflow of incredible, yummy, yummy food that comes from him who is the living word, who is the word made flesh, who is the bread of life. Hallelujah. So we just are grateful today and we thank you, Abba Yah, for being so good to us that you provide us with such great food day after day after day that we can be able to receive everything that is on your table, that we can come to the table, we can picture ourselves sitting at the table with Moshe, <clears throat> with Abraham, Yitzchik and Yehub, with Eliah, with David, hallelujah. I want to be at that table with the heroes of faith. I don't want to be the janitor in Shemaim. Hallelujah. We have to start thinking prosperous. We have to start thinking about the overflow coming into our life. There is no lack when you are in him. There is only overflow. When he is in you and you are in him and you are one with him, you are a chad, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So how could you ever be broke if you really have him? Come on, somebody. Come to the table. Come to the table with me today and feast here on Love Live, Rock Remnant Reality Radio. Sidewalk Prophets.
outside looking in This is where grace begins We were hungry, we were thirsty With nothing left to give Oh, the shape that we were in And just when all hope seemed lost Love opened the door delivered. 
I am redeemed. I am recovered. I am transformed. I am an overcomer. I am a new creation. I am beautiful in Yah's eyes. I am a masterpiece of Yah's perfection. I am crucified in Messiah Yeshua, and it's not I that lives, but Yeshua who lives within me. I have picked up my olive tree and laid down myself, buried in the living waters of Mikvah, by the name of my Shamayim Abba Yahweh. His only begotten son, Yeshua, and his Ruach HaKodesh, the set-apart breath. I am a believer, meaning that I am trusting in Yah, and I am obedient to Yah. I am mikvah and ruach of Yah, completely ruach-filled, overflowing Yah's anointing unto others around me every day. He's the vine, and I am the wild branch grafted into Yeshua. I am a body part, unified and one, achad, with his true body. Hallelujah. I am Ibrahim, Hebrew. Hallelujah. I am Messianic. Hallelujah. I am transformed. Hallelujah. I am a transformer. Hallelujah. I am a demon hunter. Hallelujah. I am a son of I am. Yeah. Hallelujah. I am powerful in Yah. I am a blood-bought saint of the living Yeshua. I am a follower and not just a fan. I am salt. I am light. My praise is a sweet fragrance unto the lover of my soul. I am gifted by Yah. I am favored by Yah. I am a man after Yah's own heart. I am a faithful follower of Yahweh, whose son is the way the truth, and the life. I am a man of action. I am a doer of Yah's word. I am a warrior in Yah. I am a winner in Yah. I am an overcomer in Yah. I am his champion, Yah's champion. Greater is he, Yah, that is in me than he that's in this world. I am a humbled shaliach of Ahaba, love, in the royal priesthood of the Melechim of Melechims and Adonai of Adonais, the king of kings and foundation of foundations of Yeshua HaMashiach. I am Revelation Rock. a humble shaliach of Ahava, a humbled apostle of love, visionary and overseer of Love, Inc., including Love Live Rock Remnant Reality Radio, Love for Truth Radio, the Transformed Recovery and Deliverance Love Fellowship, 
overseer of houses of worship, homes of shalom, love centers, camp loves, faith favor farms, and Ruach retreats. This I am 33 that you just heard me read is a daily exercise that is to be spoken out loud in front of a mirror with a minimum list of 33 I am's. And this is a great place to start. It's not the end, it's the beginning. And we in Transformed Recovery teach this daily power principle of speak life to help individuals, which replaces the oftentimes poor self-image with a incredible Yah image that we can now walk in as the new man instead of the old man self-image, we now have a new man Yah image that's developed through these exercises that we have put together for transformation. You know, we find that most people seemingly are stuck with and bound in the bondage of little to no confidence. But in Transformed, we replace that confidence with confidence because when we walk in confidence, we're really conning ourselves and we're thinking that it's all about me, 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 I, 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 I did it. Look at how great I am. But confidence is ya, 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 not I, 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 I. It's ya, 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 not me, 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 me. It's the he and me that makes confidence what we should strive for, it's what we should hope for, it's what we should work on. Our strength, our power, our wealth, everything should be in him. And if we show ourselves to show lack, if we show ourselves to be a poor, decrepit believer that can barely get by, what kind of a testimony of his wealth and his prosperity are we really? Come on, somebody building ourselves on his sure foundation of foundations rather than upon Satan's sinking sand. Every day we're supposed to start our day with Yahweh. And in this transformed recovery habit of decreeing and declaring, of praising, of praying, we are going to put this speak life power principle into a real life into a real human being. This is something for you to learn. And I set the example of something that I did and started back in my 20s. And now I'm in my mid-50s. So this is a 30-year habit that I know has been a major part of my transformation, no doubt. I encourage you to put together your speak life, speak life, your amazing 
powerful words that you speak unto the air. And guess what? The wickedness and the powers of this air, they are going to leave you. They are going to leave you. They are going to go. The, the wickedness in high places is going to be tore down. It's not going to be able to affect you. So you need to learn to speak life. And this song is written specifically for our program by someone who Marissa shared a mikvah water with. And I spoke to her a while back and I asked if we could use some of her music on our broadcast network. And she gave us rights to just go for it. And, uh, Definitely let the music help as many people as possible, and that is Cesare. She was uh, there when Marissa got her mikvah at the Wisconsin Dells. Cesare came from New York, and uh, she loved it so much she decided to move to the Midwest, and she went to Chicago, and now she's been living in Chicago for several years, and she wants to go to Wisconsin. So, uh that is uh, something that she counseled with me about. And uh, so she may be a part of Love Ministries even more so than ever before, rather than a, a friend of, of love, be actual mishpaka and really have deep fellowship with us more. And we would love that. This is Cesare Speak Life backing up what I just shared with you regarding the I am's and speaking that life over your life every day.
So in the background, you heard her singing Speak Life. Speak Life. That's what we do is we speak life. So I am moved by the Ruach to teach the Torah and scriptures that are speaking on who you are to be, who are you, you are to speak yourself into existence to be. And I had a little uh, confrontation with one of my Shalias yesterday who uh, somehow has got some evil, wicked stronghold that continues to grab a hold of her brain. And I want to, I want to break it. I want to break it. I'm going to come after it. I'm going to kick the devil's face until he's bloody this morning to break this off of her because I don't want her to ever think like that ever again. I've been listening to her do it over and over and over and just keep returning back to that vomit. And it just, it's so ugly to me. My Ruach man just cringes when I hear her talk about finances and about money and about her brokenness, which she should be talking about her wealth, the dowry that Abba Yah has produced in her and through her life. And, you know, some people get criticized in Christianity because they, they are supposedly prosperity teachers. And I guess what I'd like to expose today is whether Abba Yah himself in his living word through Yeshua is a prosperity teacher or not, because that's all I go by. I don't go by, I don't care what Christianity's doing, you know? Well, I do because they are false teachers and many of them. And that drives me nuts. But I suppose somewhere, you know, because there's a split between Christianity and Yami's been such a part of it, you got your broke mentality congregations in Christianity and you got your prosperity doctrine preachers in churches in Christianity. So uh, I'm going to ask if uh, Yami has her sword ready to be sharpened this morning. Are you there? Yes, I am here. Do you have your sword and are you ready to sharpen it or do you want to keep going around with this dull blade that cannot win any fights and battles? Well, you know what came to me as you spoke is, yeah, I put the coals to my lips as I have spoken on clean, on right things. And so, yeah, is my redeemer. So I come before him again because I've came to this point in other ways that um the the negative speaking that none it wasn't before necessarily in finances because I I la was kind of listening to the words of that 
song is I've got a cottage just here below, a little silver, a little gold, and someday yonder I'll never more wander. But hallelujah, um, I've got to um, change that way of thinking. And um, and so I need to put my, my conversations to be better right. And I ask forgiveness from my Yah for not um, testifying of all the miraculous ways he is, has had my needs met. And money was kind of something I, um, I, I don't understand quite my relationship with money because I'm not always... Um, had a, a complete understanding that it's okay to be rich. It's okay to 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 um uh you know see the wicked perish in their ways and be um, prosperous and and I didn't feel I should be. For some reason, I don't know whatever it was. I just ask now that anything that not that is not from Yahweh, it be removed because I want to um, stand in Him and draw others onto Him rather than um, people thinking she's uh she can't bust a grape because she don't have the money to do it or she don't you know have the ability to do it in his abundance i can overcome no we don't use abundance anymore abundance is a goddess oh okay why i i think you said that yesterday I did, and you've been saying abundance on this line every day. Every day I hear you speak about abundance. You're speaking to a goddess and not speaking to Yah about wealth. Okay, and there's another thing. When you said that, I remember when my kids were all real young, and at a garage sale, I believe it was, I brought these little, um, they were like, people, uh, and I decorated my um, house with them until one day I had to throw them away. And um, I think they were fertility symbols of a false, yeah, so in the name of Yeshua, I asked Not a false, not a false, not a false, yeah. There is no such thing as a false Yah. It's a false god or goddess because that is, speaking of God or A-L, who is the bad guy. And so everything's false about him. He's the deceiver. He's the liar. But there is no such thing as a false Yah because Yah is truth, so he can never be false. Amen. 
I'm, I, I want through this season for you to think about the words that you speak and just don't go on this autopilot prayer person that you've been for so long. We're going to clean up your mouth. We're going to clean up your tongue, which is going to clean up your life because you're going to be speaking good life, goodness, and you're going to stop speaking all these pagan things into. And, and, and if you would have abundance, if you would get that, then who would be the one who prospered you? A goddess of abundance, and you would be getting your source of your wealth wickedly. And there is wealth of the wicked, but that wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. So if we truly are righteous, if we truly are speaking right, living right, doing right, being right, then hallelujah, if we are Torah keepers, then we know that that wealth is for us, not brokenness. It's a complete opposite of the doctrine that you've been living by. And you're right. You've got a very sick, codependent relationship with money, with mammon. And you cannot serve mammon and Yahweh at the same time. There's nothing more. Think about this. There's nothing more that Hasatan Gadrael would want to do than to keep you broke. If he can keep you broke, he can hold you down. Because every decision you're making, well, can I afford to go there? How can I, how can I get over there? How can I, get, how can I do this? I, you're, you're number one primary of you as a Shalia is your evangelism. What does an evangelist do? Travel. What does travel do? It costs a lot of money. It costs yeah. a lot of money. Especially with I'm gas as expensive as it is right now. So yeah. your entire being as who you are and who Yah meant you to be has been stunted and held back from who you could have and should have been because of the finances that you did not allow to flow into your life. You actually blocked your your berachot that was supposed to come. You blocked them unknowingly. I'm not saying you did any of this on purpose. This is the evil deception, the traps, the pits that we fall into in life because we allow Hasatan, Gadrael, to deceive. And remember, it says, even the very elect will be deceived. So if you've been deceived, then we have to repent. We have to do a teshuva. We have to turn in the opposite direction of brokenness and go in the, in the positive direction of his wealth that is owning the cattle on a thousand hills. I mean, he basically owns it all. But he goes ahead and, and and lets us have it. He just says, okay, well done, my good and faithful servant. Here you go. I'm just going to give you all of this wealth that Job had. I'm going to give you all this wealth that Abraham had. I'm going to give you all this wealth that Moshe had, that David had. They were all wealthy. Where, where do you read that any of them were broke? 
Now, they might have went through a broke season. They might have went through a struggling time where they didn't have enough to eat. But ultimately, they ended up prospering as they endured through the time of trial and testing. So, as I originally asked the question, do you have your sword ready to sharpen? The Bible's right here. No, not a Bible. That's a pagan term. We don't say Bible no more. These strips are um, the lesson <laughs> book. <laughs> I'm going to bust your chops every time they come out of your mouth until you stop saying it. Just, just like a little kid. Stop, stop saying those bad words. Stop it, stop it, stop it. All right. So I want you to turn... And Marissa, if you could turn to, do you have your uh, sword available as well? Marissa? Yes, she does. This is Scribe. I'm on. All right. Good morning. Good morning, Aki. Uh, so we're going to turn to Deuteronomy 8. And 18 this morning. And we're going to break off the curses that this world, the enemy, Hasatan, the enemy, Hasatan, the enemy, these curses that have been put on you, we're going to break these curses today. When we read Deuteronomy 8.18, this is directly from the Torah, so this is an instruction for us to get down in our heart, write it on a tablet of our heart today so that it becomes ours. This is not something that was theirs out there in the wilderness. This is for you while you're in your wilderness of brokenness. And I hope that anybody that comes on this Praise, Prayer, Decree, and Declare pre-recorded broadcast, that this is pricking your heart as well, because there's so much confusion. And I'll, I'll say what Zig Ziglar said. I've never put it to the test to actually add it up. But he had said one time, as a positive motivational speaker who used scriptures interlaced within his logic and his really, really down-to-earth, common-sense teachings, he had said almost half of the scriptures are about us prospering, about us benefiting, about us moving our life forward in a positive direction. Hallelujah. Almost half the scriptures. So when we try to have this broke mentality, when we try to see, well, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have, I lack, I lack, I lack, and we keep saying these things all day, we're cursing the very 50% of our book. We're cursing it and saying, I don't believe any of this. I, I don't. I, I, no. I, I, uh. Break this curse off yourself. Quit thinking like that. That's the ultimate stinking thinking is that you're not going to have overflow. Come on. Quit blocking your overflow. 
I mean, that includes you blocking yourself from ranking up to the next levels in whatever companies you might be with. Rank up. Why aren't you ranking up? Why aren't you prospering? Why aren't you moving ahead? What's stopping you? Stop stopping. Quit quitting. Do it. 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 Receive the wealth that he has for you. Yeah, I mean, please read Deuteronomy 8.18. Yeah, I mean, we can't hear you. Well, I already heard it. Now I better share it with you. But you shall, but you shall remember Yahweh, your Elohim, for it is He who gives to you power to make wealth, and He will establish His covenant, which He swore to your fathers, as it is this day. So to understand what he's saying, he spoke to Abraham, Yitzchik, and Yehub. And one of the things that's significant as you follow the family lineage that we are to be grafted into through Yeshua, Yehusha, Yehushua, who are we actually modeling our life after. Are we really doing it or not? And the fact is, is when those fathers would be on their deathbed, when they were passing on, they would pray, Benachot, wealth over the son. So when Abraham passed, he spoke this prayer of Berachot over his sons. So Yishmael, as well as Yitchik, both were, uh, he spoke a, a Berachot over them. He did not speak a curse over them. He did not speak uh, death or brokenness over them. He spoke wealth. He spoke prosperity over them. And as Yitchik laid on his deathbed, the main inheritance was to go to the firstborn son, which was the issue, and there's a lot to be learned in these studies, but the issue between Yeshmael and Yitchik because of the sin of Sarai, or Sarah, she went ahead and was not obedient and did not listen and trust Yah. So she brought another woman in to have sex with her husband so that she could have a baby and pretend that that baby was hers, but found out real quick as her and Abraham were having you know, intercourse with each other, this was a stupid idea. I really messed up. I should have not done it. 
And it was sinful that that ever happened. So looking at just the raw seed in and of itself, Yeshmael was born in sin, and then the promise of the son that was supposed to be the firstborn, Yitchik, all of a sudden now, she's able to have that firstborn. So the Berachot came and was spoke mainly on him as the firstborn because they switched the deal with Yahweh. But it was a messed up deal because they messed it up, not because Yahweh messed it up. Yahweh was faithful. Yahweh knew he was going to fill her with a baby. She laughed and could even believe it because she was old. Again, it comes down to trust. It comes down to obedience. It comes down to believing, having the faith that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. If he says he's going to make you prosperous, he says he's going to make you wealthy, why aren't you having the faith to believe him in that? That's what we really have to think about. When we look at who the Berachot was supposed to go to, the bad son that was in sin was the firstborn, which was Esau. So same situation with Yitchik. Rebecca, she believed that she heard from Yah, so now this would not be sin, but yet is it or isn't it because what she was doing was being deceitful and deceiving her husband, Yitchik, as he laid on his deathbed and was starting to, to go probably like senile and, and in and out of, of you know, dreaming and, and whatever. So he, didn't really, he wasn't really all there. So she took advantage of him by making Yahub look like Esau by putting yeah. some hairy leather arms on him, some, some straps from an animal skin, to make him out to look like he was Esau, who was the firstborn that uh, Yitchik favored, and that was, again, the deception within him that he was favoring the son that really wasn't serving well. He was serving well in hunting, but he was very, he was a fornicator. He was very much out there sleeping around and seeing nothing wrong with it. And then on top of it, he was sleeping around with Canaanite women. He was not staying within the tribe, which the Torah, of even under the Abrahamic covenant, was very clear that they had to keep the tribe pure, keep the lineage pure, and they didn't. So the story just goes on and on and on of the wealth transfer all the way through. And that's why I think Zig Ziglar said what he said, that so much of this is about our prosperity, about our wealth, because the whole 
I mean, everything that a dowry was about in passing that on in marriage, it was all about the wealth of the family. And all of that original instructional faithful lineage stuff has been lost in our United States society, which is what angers me that people here continue, you know, to act like Christianity is so so much greater than Judaism when Judaism at least has the real aspects in place. Which one is that? Can you hand it to me? I don't know that why that one's going off. Alright, so all of this is very, very crucial. And I only gave the one scripture so far. There's 70 scriptures that I have for this study. It's deep. But if everyone can turn to Jeremiah 29.11. And we know already, and I'm not going to go ahead and... and, uh, go through this one because Scribe has been teaching on it heavily, but we know what it says now very clearly in Malachi, or really Malachi, uh, Malachi, if, if we look at that in and of itself, and we still are not giving, we're still not taking what little widow's mites that we have, and sewing it into, then what are you not understanding about the fact that you're not prospering? Well, what are you missing about that? Either you're giving honestly or you're not. I mean, you've got to be honest with yourself. You've got to quit conning yourself. Either you do or you don't. You know, the nice thing about when you're on a payroll is you can actually say, I want 10% to go here, I want you know, 20% to go here. You can have it actually broken down now when they do direct deposit to go into certain places. So, you know, in our situation, the way we've set ourselves up, we don't have a choice to make that decision. We make it once. Yeah, this comes right off the top. Why do you take it right off the top? Because the scripture says you're supposed to give your first fruits, not your last. What most people do when they do their finances is they think backwards. They think that their first fruits got to go to a bill, a bill collector. It's got to go to rent. It's got to go to rent. I got to pay my rent first. No, you have to pay the one who gives you breath first. The one who gave you the breath, the very breath that you have, gave you all the talents that produce and, and create wealth. 
You're supposed to give your first fruits to him. That goes back to Abraham. The 10% goes back to Abraham in the Abrahamic covenant, and it goes all the way through to Malachi, or Malachi, in what Scribe has been teaching day after day. What, what do you people not understand about first fruits? You don't give it off of what's left over. You give it off of what you have as your growth. And for some of you, the only reason that growth is so gross is because the gross misconduct of the way you handle the provision that he provides. I am extremely grateful to have a wife who is a giver. That, to me, was the biggest bonus breakthrough. I never had to argue with her one bit about first fruits. In fact, the scripture doesn't only say to give first fruits of 10%. It really, once you do this complete study, you're supposed to give everything you got. And what starts to happen is, oh, I just gave everything I got. Whoa! And all of a sudden, this big overflow comes into your life. And then you give everything you got again. And whoa! This big overflow comes back in your life. And then you give everything you got again. And whoa! And it just keeps increase, 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 increase. It's mind-boggling because you cannot outgive Yah. Dexter Yeager told me that a long time ago. You can't outgive Yah. So Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. If Marissa could read that, please. Yeah, here she is. You said twenty nine eleven. Yes. Okay. Okay. For I know the purposes which I am planning for you, says Yahweh, purposes of peace and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's one of my one of my favorites. Hallelujah. Yeah, so that's a little feel good for everybody. Everybody wants to always love that scripture, but yet when they actually receive it into their lives as a real declaration because this is Yahweh declaring it. He's doing decrees and declares now. And he has not got curses. He's not got poverty. He's not got brokenness for you. That is not what he has for you. If indeed you are his. But all those that chose to not be his in Jeremiah's time, you need to realize there was a, a, a vassal king who should have not even been king of Yisrael, and he was practicing paganism. 
And Jeremiah is told by Yahweh, your time is coming where you're supposed to replace your father to be the high priest, the up-and-coming high priest. But before that happens, and he's now going to do his first where he's got to do the blood sacrifice and, and everything, before the king of Israel, because the king of Israel is doing the same thing that Christianity was doing, where they, they mix everything, which actually goes all the way back to to Nimrod and the sun god Baal and the whole mixing, and Scribe does a great teaching about all of that mixing and mess. But the fact is, is that the vassal king is standing there, and Yahweh tells Jeremiah in a prophetic vision and gives him a prophetic word of what he's supposed to say in front of the king and his father and all of Israel's royalty, which is an incredible rebuke about how they're all in sin, about how they're all failing Yahweh, including his own father. And rather than receiving the rebuke, the king went ahead and sent in a bunch of men and spoke to Jeremiah's father, because he was still living in his father's house, spoke to his father and made an arrangement for those people to go in and beat the living tar, the living crap, whatever you want to say, to totally beat Jeremiah bloody in the middle of the night while he was sleeping. And his father just turned his head and allowed his son to be beaten. Because his father was bowing down to the wrong king. He was bowing down to a vassal king that was in sin and was not a king for Yahweh. This was why Yahweh didn't want people to be in that position of being a king in the first place. He actually was insulted that man kept crying for, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king. And he's like, well, what's wrong with me? I'm already your king. And he surely had proven himself to the people to be the greatest king ever that they had. But instead, they cried out for a human king and that was the beginning of disaster for Yisrael because once they put a human king on the throne, you know the imperfection and, and ridiculous things <clears throat> that are going to happen. So as punishments, people would be sent into being broke. People would be sent into this bad place with their finances, lose everything, be put into slavery. Well, if you'll teshuva today and apologize to Yahweh for the way that you have handled his prosperity and the way it was to come into your life, and you say, now, remember, Teshuvah is not just saying you're sorry and then keep repeating the same mistakes, which is insane. Insanity is repeating the same mistakes and expecting different results. 
No, 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 no. Don't do that. If you're going to really do a real teshuva, that means you're going to change direction in how you handle money from here forward, how you handle finance, how you handle gifts, love gifts, things that come in. You know, I, I'm going to be calling out for tractors and trucks and people to donate them to be on this property to do work. We might say, well, you just got a truck. Yeah. It doesn't say he owned the cow on a, on a thousand hills or he owned the cow on one hill. Open up your mind. Listen. Listen. Pay attention. The cattle, that's plural, on a thousand hills. If you're going to be like him, like Jamie prays all the time, I want to be more like you. Well, then let's get more like him. He's wealthy. And let's do all the things that he says to do to get there. And then these plans to prosper, will be definitely our future hope that we can walk in. And let's not forget that prosperity is very much in our own health as well. So we need to be believing for that and trusting in that and that we won't bring infirmities upon ourselves by our own disobedience in not following his instructions and his plan. As our faith is tested in its genuineness, we will find that the wealth that's in faith is even more precious than gold as it's tested by fire, by the esh. And the result should be that we are giving praises and honor all kavod in the revelation of the wealth that we have that's in Yeshua himself. You can find that in First Peter 1. Read through that, and it'll explain a lot of really cool stuff to you. So that is lesson number one, and we're going to continue because I really want to uh, drive this in. So I'm going to just run with this alongside of Scribe's normal format. This will be what I'm going to be teaching on, but I really want to challenge all of you to wake up, pay attention, watch closely of what he says, and don't just take it for granted, this bad habit that you may have fallen into that 
you know, oh, here Rock goes on this again, or and you get this dumb thing going on in your ears. That dumb thing in your ears is Hasatan, and he's got you to not even listen correctly about your own prosperity that Yah wants you to have. That's messed up. That is really messed up. Yah has such an incredible, powerful life for you. And you know, when you turn your back on him, and there's many ways that you can write down, and I, I challenge you all to do this, write down between today and tomorrow all the ways that you've seen when you've turned your back on him. He's never turned your back on uh, his back on you. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He has always been there for you. But how often have you as a human being, and I've looked at this very closely, I identified, you know, uh, a good man falling seven times, and I said, wow, as I wrote each one down of my major falls on my face and rock-bottom realities that I hit, I was like, wow, I must not be a good man because I fell way more than seven times. I probably fell 7,000 times. It was ridiculous. It was like I was trying to think of my worst seven times that I fell because there were so many ongoing falling, falling, failing, failing, fall, fail, fall, fail, fall, fail, fall, fail. And then you have to ask yourself, why do I lose everything? Why did I lose everything? Why did I end up this broke person? What's going on? Well, maybe it's because you turned your back on, yeah, maybe you left him, maybe you forsook him. Maybe you went off and thought you were your own God again, that you jumped up on the throne again, that you took the wheel of your life and you drove when you're not supposed to be in the driver's seat. You're supposed to be in the passenger seat. He's supposed to be doing the driving. You're supposed to be trusting him and saying, Yeshua, take the wheel. But you don't. You go right back to the old self again and again and again, and grab that wheel again and say, no, i got to do it my way, not Yahweh. And when I turned my back on Yah, I lost everything. When I turned my back on Yah, I lost everything. So stop with your finances turning your back on Yah. If you really are in him, then you are going to trust him that he will prosper you, that Berachot will overflow into your life. Because if you turn your back on Yah and you keep doing that, you're going to lose everything.
Well, praise Yaz. I was sitting here thinking about the other part of the story of Jeremiah and the vassal king and his father. That vassal king was given an opportunity, just like Pharaoh to Teshuvah. Pharaoh was given an opportunity before he was brought to devastation. You know, Pharaoh lost everything. He turned his back on Yah. He tried to say that he was Yah and follow this this Egyptian belief that, you know, Ra is God on earth, you know, and all this kind of garbage, right? And it was a direct confrontation to Pharaoh that came through Moshe that was supposed to get him to wake up. And he was supposed to, to shuva. He was supposed to repent. He was supposed to turn in the opposite direction of his sin. He chose not to, and he lost everything. He, I mean, think of all the firstborn sons of Egypt were killed. Not the firstborn sons of Yisrael. They lived. The death Moloch passed over. They had the prosperity of sons that, that continued. And just that same way, this vassal king, his sons were executed by Nebuchadnezzar. But there was a warning that came from the prophet Jeremiah in advance to try to tell him not to be foolish and do that. That he should repent. And Yah would have had, if, if he would have turned his, his head around, if he would have turned his life around, Yah would have had Yamazing Hanan and Chesed, right, loving kindness towards that vassal king. He would have forgiven him. I know he would have, because that's just his nature. He would have forgiven him if he would have done a teshuva at that point. But because he was stubborn, and he was right in that middle ground of making the right decision, but he was stubborn and he fought what he knew he should do. And then when he would fight it, then all of a sudden he would lock Jeremiah back up in, in prison again. And he kept going back and forth, in and out of prison. He'd give another prophecy, and at first he would be humbled by it. He would feel like it was the conviction of Yah that was coming upon him. And then all of a sudden he would mess up again. And I just want to say that, you know, having Nebuchadnezzar kill both of your, your sons right before your very eyes, if that's not enough to get you to wake up, and here's the crazy thing, just like Pharaoh, that stubborn hard heart, it wasn't enough. So what did Yah eventually do? He killed the king. He had Nebuchadnezzar kill the king. The vassal king finally was killed. And I'm pretty sure the same thing happened to Jeremiah's father. I have to look back in my notes in, in Scripture and really see if that's what happened to his father, too, because I think it did. So this is a pretty intense example of either heeding to 
the word of Yah, and in this case it was coming direct through prophetic, now we have it as the word as, this is the, the kehalim, right, the prophecies that we are supposed to heed to. We're supposed to learn because there's even Torah in these prophecies. There's instruction wrapped in there if you really think about it. And Yah wants us to learn from this so that we don't lose everything because we've turned our back on Yah. He doesn't want us to lose everything. He doesn't want us to lose anything. He wants us to prosper. So I'm going to challenge everyone that's listening, whether you're live or on a pre-recording, I'm going to challenge you to take him at his word. Take him at his word. I don't think he's playing. I don't think he's kidding around. I think he's very serious about what he's saying, and I think we should take him very seriously because he has always shown himself to be faithful in what he says and what he does. So let's go ahead and... and break free from that turning away from Yah and let's turn to Yah. Hallelujah. Let's break free.
So this message, I guess I would call break free from poverty. Break free from poverty. Why allow the enemy to keep you in poverty when Abba Yah wants you to walk in prosperity? Why would you continue? Stop it. Just stop it. Every one of you that's continuing to do it, stop it. And let's get on the right track and let's all get on this train together that's moving in the same direction with Abba Yah. And let's be obedient and let's repent. Let's ask for forgiveness for what we've done in the past, but not go ahead and beat ourselves up about it. Say, I'm done with that old guy. That guy's got to die. That guy has got to die. Crucify. He lie. Don't ever fall back into a cow pie. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We got cow pies all over out here in the range, in the ranch. <laughs> oh, praise be the great Yahshemayim. Thank you so much for allowing me to start your day with Yahweh as he is in me and he is speaking to me and through me. Hallelujah. I turn it over to my Aki Scott Scribe Pratt. Hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. Uh, excellent teaching this morning. Shalayak, Rock. Uh, we all needed to hear it. And the fact of the matter is, is verse 18 is almost right in the middle of what proves to be an entire chapter on wealth reception and possession and you know in fact in fact there's a there's another quote in there that I know everybody's gonna um gonna be familiar with and it's amazing because I just made the connection this morning um everybody says that that the New Testament is divine is defined by the old. So I've got to wonder how many people out there actually recall this quote. Uh, let me see if I can find it again. Okay, yeah, there's there is a quote in uh, the last half of Deuteronomy eight, verse three. And it says, but every man shall live, but man shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of Yahweh. Now we all know you we all know Yeshua said it, and when we heard it again, we flashed back to the scenes in the desert when Yeshua was being tempted for forty days and forty nights by the adversary. And that he spoke these words against the adversary. But yet the Sadducees and Pharisees, the religious ruling class, wanted to get mad at him when he said before Abraham was, I am. Those that were supposed to see the very words of Yahweh manifested in the flesh through the words on the Torah, on the, on the written scroll, 
we're blinded by the very things that Yahweh is condemning in this chapter. And there are condemnation there there are there are condemnations here. There are warnings to say don't do that. As Rock was teaching, and I know this is a bit of an aside, but that's okay, that's what we do here. Um as as Rock was teaching, the Ruach was bringing to my mind you know, the whole concept, again, of um, the Kippi HaKadosh, these writings that we read on, on, a, on a daily basis, doesn't have to be a religious tome. It doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to have any connection to the pomp and circumstance of, say, a Roman Catholic Church or any of the rest or, or any of the rest of the man made religions. It's you know, look at it as as an instruction book. But simpler yet, look at it as a hand in glove situation where a hand in work glove situation, not white glove situation, a work glove situation. Yah expects us to work. There's nothing wrong with work. What we have to avoid doing is believing that when we're pulling on those work gloves, that there's some sort of three-inch thorn in one of the fingers of that glove when we stick our hand in it. That's not who Yahweh is. Yahweh is not going to trick us like that. He's not going to tell us to do something and then deprive us of it because he... And then deprive us of it in a manner that's going to cause us to pull back. Because now if we pull back every time we try getting close and try putting that glove on and try to be used by Elohim. If we pull back from that, now we've got to spend the next three, four weeks trying to figure out which finger that glove is in, and that little bugger moves around so fast you can't even get to it. You can't find it. And it remains elusive, and we're accusing Yah of making it that reality, so we don't want to put the glove on. Now, all of a sudden, by true definition of, of religion... True definition of religion, not definition of true religion. There's a difference. But by true definition of religion, now we have to be bound back to the practice of putting that glove on. And many of us have gotten to the point where, you know what? I got if I get if I get that thorn under my fingernail one more time as I'm putting that glove on, I'm throwing it away. I'm just not putting the glove on anymore. And that's an unfortunate reality because now most people go through life completely and totally ignorant of the Baruch Atah 
that Yah has put in this plan. And like Rock was saying, over half of Scripture, over half of these set-apart writings, half of this Kodesh instruction is about wealth. And trust me, believe me, I wish I'd have gotten a lot better at comprehend, comprehending these these writings and understood how to better operate in and through them, hence allowing me, therefore allowing me, or allowing them to operate in my life more effectively, I wish I'd have gotten there a lot sooner. Because there's nothing, there is nowhere in this world, or I'm sorry, not in this world, there's nowhere in the book where Yah encourages poverty. He says, you'll have, the poor you'll have with you always. Well, why? Because most people are going to choose to remain blind to the light of the word. Yesterday, I did a sidestep and I taught on the two things that we're called to awake to. And one is righteousness and the other is life. And they coincide, they intermingle. In fact, I would almost say that those two concepts, those two verses are the most important verses in Scripture, because if you don't awake to righteousness, if you don't awake to right thinking, to right attachment, to right understanding, to right pursuit, if you don't awake to righteousness, to the way Yah wants things done, you're not going to awake to the way the truth, and the life either. Because this isn't a left twix or right twix situation. They go together, they go together like, as I said, like a hand in a glove, like a hand around the hilt of a sword, like a hand through the strap on a shield, whatever mental image you can come up with is probably not inaccurate, but pray about it first anyway. While it might not be a picture book, per se, suitable for a four-year-old, the imagery that Yah has the writers use paint some beautifully simplistic pictures of how to best function with his instructions and how to relate to him. And it's got nothing to do with crossing yourself every time you say a prayer. So, hallelujah, that was not my teaching. That was just an aside. 
I have got to now figure out exactly where Rock let off. Um, <laughs> uh, and again, I do apologize for coming in late this morning. I did not wake up until 6.39 this morning because I stayed up until about 2.39. So hallelujah. Um, I am grateful this morning for Shalaya Rock's teaching, for one. Um, I am thankful that Yah did wake me up again, that Yah continues to teach. I'm thankful that Yah continues to speak. I am thankful that Yah gives us the power and the ability to create wealth. And I am thankful that as he says in Malachi 3.8, which, yeah, Rock says I'm teaching from, I'm quoting from, I use it pretty regularly for my uh, uh, for my offering intro, whatever you want to call it. Okay, um, Malachi 3.18, I'm thankful for the separation and the ability to identify that separation so we can pick and choose where we're going to be and what list we're going to be on. It says, then you shall return, then you shall return, be bound back to, because Yah didn't leave, we did, and see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between him who serves Elohim and him who does not serve him. Now, that's pretty, that's pretty confrontational, but that should be pretty encouraging, too, because you're given a choice. In this entire chapter, if you give, if you support the storehouses of Yah, and I need to work on it, then you shall be listed with the righteous. If you give, you are righteous. If you don't, you are wicked. That's pretty black and white. Now, I don't know if I can use that and still remain politically correct, but oh well. Um, it's pretty black and white. And it sets up who the true political authority should be. Because Yahweh should be directing the, path, the, the steps of the nations as well. So again, that being said, um, if what you've heard so far today and there's good reason for you to have liked what you heard and you believe this is a good place for you and that you're going to be fed and that you're going to be a hobbit or loved, then we would encourage you to, for your own sake, for the sake of Shamayim, Allow Yah to prove himself to you. 
with an open with open heart and open hands, with a glad heart, go to give.yahweh.love. That's our PayPal portal. Or if you prefer if you prefer snail mail, you can go to Love Inc. P.O. Box six eight one three eight Phoenix Arizona eight five zero eight two. Or you can text seven 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 two four four three two one to Love Inc. So hallelujah. As you can tell, I'm still a little confused as to where I'm at today and where I need to pick up. But I am going to have Yami start with uh come in with her teaching for the morning. And We'll go from there. Hallelujah. Yami, are you ready? Shalaya Yami. All right. Well, okay, we are I am here. Oh, there she is. Hallelujah. I I was meditating, you know, on what and you know, we just in in the with the death of Moses and we're coming into um Joshua given the mantle or I don't know if that's the right word to say but the the um they're trusting in um Yah's put the leadership of his people in the hands of Joshua now. And um and so he has to receive that 'cause look look remembering what Rock has just said, and looking back through my life, I remember when I was um, about 13 and Grandma and I looked at the scriptures on tithing and taught, and she shared about it because her family had tithed and she was a, her um, maiden name was Householder. And um, she came from a lot of wealth. And um, she married, Grandpa was a farmer, and she lost her inheritance because of that. Because back in the days when she got married, the wealthy people, it was almost like you're a child of Israel, you don't mix with the, um, you know, the people that are far- farmers, that type of thing. And and I'm, um, I'm knowing with her how strong she was in her tithing, about tithing. And so I had envelopes, and every time I worked, for thirty twenty five to thirty five cents an hour, I would babysit. I worked 
um, mowing yard with a hand mower, and I worked um, knocking at doors in the neighborhood and asking them, you know, what is there anything I could do? I remember for one lady, I had to iron her husband's underwear because <laughs> she didn't want to do it. And so she, I got pay, and I had the envelope that when I made one dollar, when it, I would put a dime, and then the other envelope was the money that I could spend for what I wanted. And I remember um, uh, by 16, 15 maybe, I had $69 and, and at 35 cents an hour that I had made in the neighborhood. And that the point isn't to say, Whoopee, the point is that was when Grandma shared that the word with me, I believed it. I didn't think that this is how wealth would come to me. You know, I didn't think about that. My mind at that age was, well, I want to be able to roller skate once a week and I want to be able to have different food trees in in my, you know, for me and all this stuff that I wanted <laughs> that I would have to figure out a way to do that, a way to want it. And I'm sorry I'm going off of getting into um, into a, a message about you know the starting the book of Joshua, and I'm looking back at me because that's where the ruach has me, um, and I I do know that I always had the things I wanted and had extra so that if I wanted to, I could do something. And also, in that season, my um, my dad, my mom um, found out she had cancer and dad went off the road and he settled in center Oh, about two miles from where Grandma's house was, and I remember I would walk home, you know, to my parents' house and and spend, you know, time with him. And he always was thinking, you know, a, a ways to start a business, have some way of having income. And one of the things he always did when we wintered in Texas was he had artificial flowers that were colorful and beautiful, and he'd put greens with them. And um, we would sell them. 
and he would he would set down he sat down to me with with me and said now here's the cost of the greens that makes them look so nice with the color of the flowers and um you get to have here's what it costs and then what you sell you give me 50% and you get 50% over the cost. And so that that went with me, you know, through my life too. And I'm looking at my attitude with money and I, I never felt that I was poor and probably my income might have been, you know, poverty back then, but it, my income built, and it was built on grandma telling me that it's important to tithe, and her being so faithful in the tithe that even though she married a poor farmer coming out of a rich family, they had the farm and the farmland that was homesteaded in the beginning, and by the the time Grandpa passed, they had already had that farm that they were sharecropping, I guess, with, and let somebody live out on the farm to do the sharecropping, and um, and Grandma had a nice home in the city. And that was before Grandpa died, because Grandpa died in that home in the city. And um, I got to see him, too. And I, I don't know if he was as strong as Grandma in tithing, you know, in that principle. But I know that for me, um, it's sort of like I'm still that little kid, and I break things down and when um you know when like I get um you know twenty dollars for giving for doing some kind of work for somebody then at that time I take two dollars and I would find a place to, to be generous and share and I found that also in the the making of the profit that Dad had taught me, it's in the increase that I could make the decision what price. He taught me that when you, someone you know has a lot of money and can afford it, then you can charge them $5 for, um, you know, uh, some beautiful flowers. And and they, it costs you a dollar to make it. So then in that, you have more money. You know, the, the principles he taught me. Um, if you charge one dollar, which is your cost, 
you were free to do that. That gave me that freedom to choose where if I wanted to make the big profit and the little profit or just a little, and I remember this one little girl, and she wanted a purse, and she didn't have money. So I remember that um, I gave it to her. I can't remember if I had her give me any money. I think I probably did have her pay the cost because Dad said that in business, you you know, the cost can be um, covered by the person who's purchasing the the item. So anyhow, all that tells me is Yah gives us a lot of freedom and and how we deal with um, money, but the principle of tithing to me basically represented giving and, you know, having a portion of what I received go somewhere else, not for, for me to help somebody else. And then when I became adult, later in life, Dean and I were married. We were going to House of um, Worship. No, it was House of Praise was the one. Uh, Rod Johnson, pastor. Um, the, I made friends with people and, of course, um, elders. And uh, the elders that I made friends with uh, married when they were in college, and they became very prosperous. Um, and and she said that we're giving the freedom to choose where to give. And and then Rock said the morning act. Actually, all our money belongs to Yah, and he's given it to us, and he's, and, and I'm adding this part, he's instructed us, you know, to, with what, with the Deuteronomy 8, 18, you know, to bring it to the, to, to be givers, to bring money to help the whole community of believers. And, and then I did think like somebody calls and hears that she can't pay her light bill. I remember that time because my money was tight. And so I didn't want that woman to get her light bill. Light turned off because she had kids. So I did pay her life bill, and I learned all that is, is good, and it's all a part of how um, Yah wants us to recognize that he's our source, and I do recognize that, and I um, I was also taught 
that you're not to owe man anything. And whenever I had a debt, that was the first thing that I would pay. And now, today, it said, when Rock was teaching, it said, now, wait a minute, maybe that is wrong. So I'm bringing that today. I'm taking, breaking down like Rock is. He says there's 70 scriptures we're going to be looking at. And looking at this one, what I've got to realize or what I want to change. And I want to confess that my first step is not to the people who make my life run or the people who who let me rent an apartment or something. But it is to my Messiah, to the Master Creator who takes care of me. And so um, I want to change that, the Shuba that, to, um, to recognizing that my first truth, as was said, belongs to him. Now, my next step will be, I have some more questions, but I just got to start with this step. And um, and I want to change my attitude in who, who I give according to his instructions. Um, I, from this day forward, choose to um, consider what he said, which is like I did instinctively not really understanding, I had that dollar, I would put that, I'd break it down and put a dime of it into envelope for tithing. So anyhow... That's what the Ruhak gave me today. Sorry that we didn't start Joshua, but we will. (laughs) And I'll say, Father, help us all this this day to um, turn from our ways that we didn't understand what we were doing and open the eyes of our Ruhak man and let the seeds that are planted on on um, tithing and giving, etc., let them um, be acted on because you call us to be doers of your instruction and you've made it real simple to understand the first part, the first step. And it's it's only from what you've given us we can give. And it is to show you we trust you. I believe I choose to trust you. And when my mouth is 
speaking doubt. How, how, let the coal be put on my mouth from this day forward and, and let me see that everything that I need you bring to me and I give back to you the evidence of, of, um, what is, would be obeying your instructions and I am a doer of your word, of your, of what, how you say to do it. And therefore, I do trust in you. And I believe I shall see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And let us all, Father, um, just establish a firm relationship. Thank you for all the abundance. I remember Rod giving me that prophecy about I have riches that I don't know. And um, uh, let me, I, I have recognized how, how many times have you had people give me cards at least five, I remember, and all the different um, ways you, when, when it seems like there's no way you open the door and there's a way they, and Father, I do want to honor you with the first fruit of the Baruchi that come from you. And um, yes, I do definitely want to the coals on my lips to speak forth um, the wealth you bring because we overcome, Father, by your blood which paid the price for the wrong ways I went. As I, as I uh, admit the wrong way that you bring me into the right path and I walk on the path that is straight. So um, just um, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you and let me magnify uh, you with the words of my mouth. And help me to be very aware with what I'm saying that is that I check out and and like we do every night, that if I see I'm not doing it the way you instructed, that I recognize it and quickly repent. I'm sure there's much more. I have to change, or place, ways I have to change. I thank you for all the ways you've already showed each of us to change. And, and as we do that change, we see the riches of being connected to the king of the universe, to the master of all 
to the giver of all good gifts so that we too um, render unto you what is only right and that is the fruits of our lips also giving thanks to me and much more will come and let it come thank you that you gave to Israel the land as they were able to keep it to keep it we have to hear and we have to do your instruction, your Torah, your way for us to be in the promised land. Thank you for the gift of bringing us out of death into life, out of darkness into life. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for that, Yami. We are going to break. For a minute, and when we come back, we will have Marissa come forward with her praise, prayers, decrees, and declares her 33 I am's and her 77 thankful things. Hallelujah. This is Aaron Schust. Give it all away. Search my heart, search my mind, search my soul. Make me clean. My plans, all of my dreams, I lay them down before your feet. All of my time, all that was mine, I now submit to your design. Cause you are the one and only one who dared to give it all.
And we will talk to you soon. Hallelujah. I am. With, uh, have some things I went over yesterday. Which I wanted to read on the line. So that's okay. I am. Well, done some scripture about financial things, and as well as my Ephesians 6, I'm going to put the armor on, Yahweh knows that we need it every day, so, let's have the armor, as uh, children obey your parents and Yahweh for this is right, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that you may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but nurture them in the discipline and teaching of our master. Slaves, obey your masters according to flesh with reverence and trembling in the singleness of your heart as to Messiah. Not with eye service as hypocrites, but as slaves of Messiah, doing the will of our master from the heart. Serving as slaves with good will to our master, not as to men. Each one knowing that whatever good thing he does, he sh- this he shall receive from the master, whether he is a slave or a free man. The masters do the same thing toward them, forgiving their faults, knowing that the master of you of them is in heaven, and there is no respect of persons with them. For the rest, my brothers, be made powerful in our master and the might of his strength. Put on the armor of Yahweh for you to be able to stand against the strategies of the devil. For a conflict is not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and with those in authority and with the possessors of this dark world and with the evil spirits that are beneath heaven. Because of this, take up all of the whole armor of Elohim that you may be able to resist the evil one. And being prepared, you shall prevail. You shall prevail. Then stand firm, having girded your loins about with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and defend your feet with the preparation of the good news of peace. Above all, taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the flaming darts of the evil one, also putting on the helmet of salvation, and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of Yahweh. To walk through all prayer and petition, praying at all times in the Spirit, and watching to the same thing with all perseverance and petition, returning all the same. Pray also for me, that to me, 
pray also for me that to me may be given speech and opening my mouth with boldness to make known the mystery of the good news, for which I am an ambassador and a chain, that in it I may speak boldly as it is right for me to speak, but that you also may know the things about me, what I am doing. The beloved brother and faithful minister will make it known all things to you, whom I sent to you for this time, for the same thing, that you might know the things about us and that he heart. Shalom to the brothers and love of faith from Yahweh the Master Yeshua. Grace be with all those that love our Master Yeshua, our Master Yeshua, our Master Yeshua without corruption. Amen. Hallelujah. Anyways, can't find it. So I'm just going to read these scriptures. Romans 13:8. Oh, no one anything except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the Torah. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor Yahweh with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. Second Corinthians 9, 7. Each one as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for Yahweh loves a cheerful giver. Proverbs 22, 8. He who sows injustice will reap evil, and the rod of his wrath shall fail. Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you in good measure and press down and uh, it does say abundant, so I'll just find a different word for that. It will pour into your robe in that measure. For the measure with which you measure, it will be measured to you. Installation 6.9, let us not be weary that we are working for good. For in season of reaping, we will not faint. Hallelujah. And today, Yahweh, I pray for Yeshua to take the wheel as he's in the driver's seat. And I decree to clear that we have healing. I know my skin is clearing up in Yeshua's name and my hair growth. I decree to clear that Yahweh's love is over our nation and for all of our nations. For Yahweh's timing to have yes structure in our in our daily walk with Yahweh and that he's taking us out of that sinking sand and he's building us on a firm foundation let's see that upon our feet that Yahweh keeps us on an um, even path and so it's pretty clear for you Malachim Yahweh that, they're, that they are here and that they are in the midst of our um, families and our family members in our um, and it's pretty clear for Rock and Sandy and Scott and Tim and Yami and, and Jim and Mike the Spike and others that Rip 2.0 in the morning calls for your Psalm 91 and your shalom over them. And it's great to clear your cleansing and healing your way and you're keeping us walking in your um, fullness. And it's great to clear your uproot anything that's causing it problems in our, in our um, world of addiction and alcoholism. And I pray for those who keep doing the work that you're calling for to do for the men and women in uniform and to get all of those dealers from doing doing the um, evil work that they're doing, and from all the pharmacia uh, as well as the fentanyl coming in with methamphetamine and heroin and cocaine and all that stuff and all the fake pills and drugs coming in, coffee beans, and making it look like it's prescription medications. We pray for a um, tear down on that. The situation will be come to um, pass 
will no longer be a problem. I pray for doctors and healthcare workers at the Yahweh and that you keep your hand upon them as well as the patients that are in the that are in the different systems and um, clinics and for our government officials for you to go back in the office, Yahweh, to make your way back in there. It's going to be upon that place in the White House as well as our, um, our city um, capital, our um, government officials in our cities and our, in our states and as well as the um, presidents that you have your your way with them because obviously we can't have our way with them. So we, we declare that you take the reins Yahweh and that and we declare that you come in mighty and bold over the president issues as well as our um, ec- economic problems and for our finances as well as our X39 business that you're keeping that into putting it into your alignment into our life and lining us up in your word. And it's going to clear for people in the wilderness that they are going to come out of being stuck. And I pray for them to have prosperity in their walk with you. And for people that are coming out of Egypt, I pray for their um, salvation. And it's going to clear that as you're forgiving us of our sins, you're cleansing us from our past fleshly desires and wrongdoings. You're renewing our minds. And you're helping those with mental health problems that you reviving those issues and helping them come forward into having your goodness in their life. And the creating so that we put you first and you're keeping us in the cod and your fruits, your love, kindness, joy, shalom, faith, patience, goodness, meekness, self-control. For our families, I come against the vision on my children and I, and I break it all off in Yeshua's name. And the creating clear salvation for our families and for your love and your deliverance, Yahweh. And I break agreements with any past sins or any past um, idolatry as I overcome. And I pray for Love Ministries um, prison ministers and our brothers Steve Shipley and others and those who are in the men and women's prisons that are doing your work, Yahweh. And I pray for the teachers of Yah that they're doing your wonderful your, um, work goes into that situation other teachers. And I pray for my family, my children, Aiden and Eva, as well as Don and that is my son's grandpa. And for Shifa and, and Leela and two more that are Eva's caretakers when Gary's not always there. And I thank you for his family and I pray for his sex slavery out there, Yahweh, and the sex trafficking to help those come out of that um, bondage as well as to catch the people that are on deception behind it. In our world violence out there, there's shootings everywhere. You now it's in hospitals. It seems like it's never ending our way. So I pray for safety and protection upon all of our places and conviction before they go out and they do that. I pray for them to keep the commandments and for them to keep our faith strong in you, Yahweh. And I'm, I am your daughter. I am bold. I am a doer. And I'm an overcomer. I'm beautiful and I'm able to draw things to the Messiah who strengthens me. And I am a great mother who is getting greater. Hallelujah. And I'm a warrior and a champion. And I'm thankful that Yahweh is helping me get my, make my path righteous. And he's uh, smoothing it out each day. And I 
and thankful that he's helping me understand how to overcome financial difficulties and the strongholds. That they're no longer there and I break them off from all those issues from the past. Mindsets of being stuck in uh, those situations. And I decree and declare that um, you're helping us overcome those things. And I'm thankful that we are overcoming the problems of um, the mindsets of that. And I decree and declare for our sheriffs that they're doing, your, doing that work for us and they're helping us understand that you're sending them from, they're helping us that you're sending them from heaven. And I'm not quite sure what, what, um, so yeah, there's some, some type of something here that's making me feel weird. So it's, it's gone on Yeshua's name. And I pray for the protection upon us. I'm thankful for my family and for my children. It's for salvation. And for Yahweh's discernment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for that, Melissa. Sorry, I was talking to the phone upside down. Uh, we are going to take another music break real quick, and then I am going to come back um, with my tour teaching this morning, I guess. Um so hallelujah. This is Psalm 92. It's good to give thanks. Hallelujah. You and I are going to have to continue that conversation. Okay. I wasn't pleased with the way it went. You could have just waved me off. I did not realize you were praying. Okay. You've, intru- you've interrupted me many, 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 many times since you've been here in situations like that, and I haven't gotten it short with you. Okay? I just wasn't, it just wasn't cool. I don't know what the heck happened here.
Could I ask you to pray over the morning Torah teaching this morning? Hi. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hello. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I was in the other room, but I could hear you calling me. So, um, I believe you must have asked me to pray, right? (laughs) I did. So, Father, thank you that we can always talk with you. We can always bring all kinds of communication to you to share with you. And we can pray for one another. We can talk to you about about um, the needs we have and the needs of others and just to our communication. Yami, you're breaking up. Let's see if this will help. Is that any better? It is for now. Good. Thank you, Father. I have the phone setting. I don't know what happened. Oh, okay. So thank you, Father, that you give us the instruction and we can trust your instructions um, that they will keep us in right relationship with you and we won't be walking out of um, your will, but we will walk with you and do your will on this earth, Father, because you already established your word to be the way, the truth, and bring life to us. And you are our life, for in you we choose to live, move, and have our being. And when we step out of life, Death does not keep us or take care of us, but robs, steals, and destroys. The enemy, in the enemy's camp is um, what we have to look forward to, and we don't want to. We want to look towards you. So we choose this day your words be planted into our heart by our brother scribe, by your Shiliak, by um, through the 
baruching of the gifts you've placed within him. And we say, give us an ear, Father, to hear what the Ruach has to say. And it just came to my mind that as scribe speaks out loud, it not only goes into everyone else that's hearing, but hallelujah, the same seeds are re-sown or, or watered or planted inside of scribe too. And that goes for us, Father, that as um as we uh speak your Torah, as we read your instructions out loud, they are uh the seeds of the Torah are um taken and they will grow and they will um uh produce what you have sown them to produce and let us be your planting and let us prosper abundantly in your Torah. And there's that um, word again, Yami. Oh, what what did that say? I'm abundantly. Did I really? Yes, you did. So, Father, let's get that word um, out, plucked out like a weed. So I take that weed that um, doesn't magnify my Messiah, our Messiah, and um, you said to, I believe, cut it at the root so it can't grow no more. So um, thank you for doing that. And I speak to my mind and my mouth and all that is within me to bow down to Yahweh and um, not be deceived by the enemy with my own but let those words be living, active, and um, according to your plan. And, Father, um, I take back any of the good words that Satan has robbed from us, and I ask that they be restored and to replace the negative, the words like I that come out of my mouth too quickly, Father. Let me um, practice being slower to speak and quicker to listen. And um, please you, so uh, as we listen to um, your teaching us for, to us today, let it do the work you've sent it out to do. Take over, Ruhak, and use our anointing, use your, let your anointing fall upon scribe as um, he ministers to us all, including according to your word. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for that, Yami. 
we need to figure out if you were walking around away from the phone, you were breaking up on a couple of occasions. I just didn't want to say anything. Right. Crazy. Yeah, we had, Okay. We're looking at Mishlei 7, 4, and 5 this morning. Um, that would have been Tuesday. We looked at 1, 2, and 3. 4 and 5, the rock speaks through Solomon to say, to say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your kinsmen, so that they may keep you from the strange woman, from the alien with her flattering words. Yami, could you mute, please? Many times Solomon makes this connection. He gets, um, he makes the comparison uh, or brings up the analogy of um, a strange woman, the the appearance of adultery um, in Proverbs because that is the one place that a young man is going to have an issue once he reaches the age of, age of 14, 15, 16, 17, you know, whatever. Um, obviously, we all know what goes on there because we've all been there at some point in time. Whether we were a young man with the issue or a woman that was seductive or attractive to him. Okay, we all understand the precept of what's going on here. Okay? Uh, now, obviously, Solomon is alluding to the immoral actions of prostitution or just lascivious behavior. But what we have to recognize is the fact that this also goes deeper than just those those surface sins. If we look back at if we look back at Deuteronomy eight, and yes, I believe there's a connection that can be seen that far back to this verse, um, or these verses. Deuteronomy starts out, Deuteronomy 8 starts out, you shall be watchful to do every commandment which I'm commanding you. Okay? And there's many warnings in here about not wasting your wealth, about not turning your eyes from Yahweh, about not putting something else before Yahweh that would distract you and consume your wealth. Now, where is it? For Yahweh, your Elohim brings you into a good land of streams and waters and depths of and depth that spring out of the valleys, a land of wheat and barley, vines and figs and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you shall eat bread without want. You shall not lack anything in a land whose stones are iron. You shall dig copper out of its mountains, and you shall eat and be satisfied. You shall bless Yahweh, your, you shall Baruch Yahweh, your Elohim, in the good land which he gives you. Take heed to yourself 
lest you forget Yahweh your Elohim so as not to keep his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today, that when you have eaten and are satisfied and built goodly houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold have multiplied, all that you have is multiplied, then it rises up in your heart and you forget Yahweh your Elohim who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slaves. Verses 14, or verses 11 to 14, Deuteronomy 8, explains that it's much easier to forget Elohim during the times when everything is going good instead of the times of trial when he is more need, when he's more needed. This is a warning to always remember the one who freed them. Now, a companion to this understanding and going back to Proverbs 7, 4 and 5, Joseph had to implement this very wisdom that Solomon is talking about to avoid the advances of Potiphar's wife. Okay, there's no way to argue that, to disprove it, and I'm not saying that just to just to say it. Um, Potiphar's wife probably filled out or fulfilled all the other descriptions of a female on down the line, down to verse 16, where it even talks about Egyptian linen, ironically enough. Okay. Um, Men will invest to fulfill their lusts. That wealth, that investment, is Yahweh's. He gave us the strength of heart. He gave us the strength of our back to fulfill those things. But if all we live by is the strength of our backs and we don't live by our heart, if we don't live by our better nature, that which we know is there even if we haven't studied it, if we haven't dug into it. There's something that will tell us not to do that. Whether as in many cases in prophecy, um, the church is defined as, 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 or is engendered as female. Okay. The mishpacha, the origins of the family, is also the female. So we got to be. We have to be careful how we do this. We have to understand the difference between a good woman, shachma, and a and a and Potiphar's wife, or a prostitute, or a lascivious woman. However you want to, you know. However you want to paint that in your mind, we still come up dealing with. The adversary is pimping her out. Okay, now I realize that's you know kind of street talk, but hear me out. Okay, they're there to tempt. He's there to tempt. They're there to take what isn't theirs. He's there to steal. He he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
are we smart enough to see what's going on? Are we hearing Yahweh clearly enough to hear and see what's going on and that we're going to look away? Or are we dumb enough to be drawn in and it becomes dumb, not ignorance or stupidity, unless we do it the fourth and fifth time? Are we dumb enough to be drawn in to the flattering words or drawn in by the flattering words and the appearance when everything is all bright and shiny and flashy and, you know, wow, check that out. Holy cow, this is awesome, stuff like this. So there is definitely a very, very real connection because Potiphar's wife had had her own beliefs. Potiphar's wife was Egyptian. She adhered to the Egyptian deities and would have loved to have forced Joseph into honoring them. And we look at what she did. She she lied. She if she hadn't got her, you know, she tried using death as a threat in her house. You know, if if something doesn't happen with him, it's going to kill me. She stopped eating. Now I don't recall if that's in the in Genesis as we have it, but we know that she lied. And in in parabiblical books, um, it goes in a little deeper where there was actually threats of her not eating and extreme fasting because she couldn't get the attention that she wanted from Joseph. Okay, so all these things, these strange women, this, you know, all this glitz and this glamour and, you know, the promised beauty and the promised pleasure and the promised ease of things and the lack of pain, it all reverts back to an abuse of the principles of grace. And again, we don't use the word grace, okay, but it abuses the understanding of Yah's favor. We want to be able to, you know, on one level, if we're not walking with Yah, we want to walk into this and thinking we can get away, that we can get away with something, okay, that nobody's actually really watching, But then the question's asked in, cha- in uh, chapter 6, can a man hold on, to, hold on to fire or hold on to embers or coals and not burn his clothes? There is a very real possibility that in the close of chapter 6, when it brought the husband into it, um, when it's found out, that he's going to be upset and no amount of a bribe is going to assuage him or pacify him. There's another aspect of that that we could look at. What if that husband was so unrighteous, was so abhorrent to everything right, that he actually pimped out his wife, that he actually trafficked her, and then after ensnaring young men time and again with his wife would turn around in a different situation separate from the original act, the the original commission of sin, and re-victimize 
the individuals that he had previously taken payment from to be with his wife. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like something Hasatan would do to me. Whatever he can do to keep us ensnared, he's going to do it. He's going to make it look and sound as attractive and as wonderful and as awe-inspiring and as pleasant as possible. All the while knowing that ultimately he wants, you know, our destruction is his ultimate goal. So Solomon says, say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call understanding your kinsman, your brother, your uncle, your nephew. That other face that you sharpen yourself against. Don't leave your house without the understanding that you have to have Yahweh's word, Yahweh's instructions in front of you at all times so that they can keep you from the strange woman, so that they can stop you from not remembering that Yahweh is the one that gave you the ability to build the houses, to acquire, to acquire the, the wealth to amass the prosperity that you have. <clears throat> so that when things do get better for you, this strange woman with her flattering words doesn't come in as nothing more than a well, yeah, I know I should pray about this. I know I should give this test, but I really don't want to right now because, after all, I did all this work. Yah's not going to miss it that much. That would be a pretty shallow situation, and I believe that's what Yah's warning us about in Deuteronomy. He might not come. It might not come right out and say it, but it's certainly there because. There are other places where it says, do not commit adultery. And sometimes you have to have understanding and wisdom and shachma active in your life, active in the forefront of your mind to keep you from committing adultery, male or female, however it goes. Whatever you look at that takes Yah off the throne of your mind is, in fact, idolatry or ruachal adultery. You're cheating on the Elohim of your youth. You are cheating on the groom of your youth because we are the, we, because we are the bride in this situation. And we can't be comfortable, we shouldn't get comfortable stepping out on our groom the night before the wedding and exchanging kind words and more with some other man. 
That should be the furthest thing from our mind. That should be the furthest thing from our, our consciousness. But hallelujah, we have shachma. We have understanding. We have the Ruach HaKadosh to keep us on the right path, to keep us looking the right way, to keep us focusing on what's ahead of us. Abiyah, in the name of Yeshua, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you for Rock's teaching this morning on wealth preparation, wealth creation, prosperity thinking. Uh, but we have to know that we know that you never spoke debt or poverty over your people. You promised it would come if they were defiant. If we were defiant, you said it would come. But you never made it a necessity. You never forced it on them. They did it themselves so we can undo it ourselves as well and we can learn to walk under the umbrella of your protection and your provision. Abba, we ask that you continue to open our hearts and our minds to receive, believe, and walk out these precepts. Not as something we just believe in, but as something we need to see delivered on for the glory of your kingdom, for the kavod of your kingdom. Wow, I'm doing it again. For the kavod of your kingdom, for the esteem, for the report, for the reputation of Shamayim, for your reputation. We need to go all in on this because we know the victory is yours and we want to be part of it. In the name of Yeshua, hallelujah. And yeah, amen. Well, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come 907 Central, 1007 Eastern, 707 and 607 Mountain Pacific. Accordingly, we will be right back here for RIP 2.0, Ruach Reflections. And we would love to have you on with us. I am Shalayak Scribe. We are grateful that you are here with us this morning. And we just pray Bokatov, Barukata. Go out and have an awesome day in ya. We will talk to you later. We will end this one on, let's see. Ah, there we go. This is another one of Aaron Schust's good ones. Give me words to speak.
Give me one. 